Welcome to My Fertility Journey, Life Chats with Bianca Bullissian. Hello and welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Today's chat was with Alexi. She speaks all the raw truths of infertility. You can hear the heartbreak as she shares her story, and at the same time, she has such a positive spirit and attitude. What hits me the strongest from Alexi and Tom's journey is the companionship and love that they have for each other. And you can see it so beautifully portrayed on her Instagram feed. So I definitely recommend that you go follow her and read her posts. She is currently going through another IUI and is sharing all the hopes and the pains of her journey. You can find her on at EpicQuest4, the number four, Baby Riley. Alexi, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity to uh, share my infertility story, to talk about infertility, and uh, to learn more about what's happening with you as well. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be nice to catch up because we have actually worked together um, in the same sort of gym a boutique gym here in Toronto in the East End, and you were an RMT there, and I was a Pilates instructor, so we worked um, at Energy Exchange, which was a a wonderful studio. It was a nice experience, Um, and then it closed. We lost lost touch. I I don't think I ever saw you again, and then on a um, Facebook group chat, you recognized my name, right? I think that was it, and then you sent me a private message. You're like, Bianca, I recognize your name how are you doing you're on this journey too and (laughs) so it was I think it was the first um person that I knew before that is now on a similar journey and and then we that we can sit and chat about it I'm I'm excited it's I always feel a bit sad when it's someone I feel sad that anyone is going through this whole thing is is a big deal but someone that I that I know or have met that's going through it but there's always like a selfish part of me that's like oh like it's someone that you know I feel less alone and I feel like I can talk to so it does feel sort of comforting that way although I of course am really sorry that you're going through this whole thing too because it is such an unfair journey but um, I would like to start with how you met your husband yeah of course um so um (laughs) meeting meeting Tom was a little bit interesting we were both um uh, online dating actually <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and, um, we were also just, uh, both kind of freshly divorced. Um, I was, uh, married previously and so was he. So, um, he has two kids from his previous marriage, um, who I love dearly. And, um, yeah, we just uh, managed to meet online and it's actually funny. Um, he uh, lived in Guelph and I lived in Toronto at the time. 
And um, he came all the way from Guelph to have our first date at a taco and wine bar on Queen Street West. <laughs> wow. And the rest is just history from there. Nice. And then he ended up moving here or are you? There? No, I actually live in Guelph. You're in Guelph I now. I live in Guelph now. Go. Yeah. Which I thought would be a major uh, lifestyle change for me moving from Toronto, a big city to Guelph, which is a smaller kind of university town. Um, but I absolutely love it here. The connections and uh, the friends and the people that I have made um, here have been absolutely incredible. And I am super grateful and blessed every day to live in this beautiful city. That's nice. Yeah, nothing like a small sort of town, right? It is. It yeah. has a different feel. It has a different feel for sure. Yeah. Definitely. So um, if you wouldn't mind sharing how your fertility journey started and, and then how you got here today. Yeah, so um, when I, uh, when Tom and I first started dating, um, it was very um, important for me to um, become a mom, to get pregnant, to have a baby. Um, he told me right away that he had a vasectomy after um, the birth of his second um, child, his daughter, and um, that needed to be fixed. <laughs> yeah. So yes. he went to uh, he went to a hospital in Toronto and got it reversed. So we were all like, yay, this is totally great. And your vasectomy is reversed and we can totally do this. And um, we weren't ever uh, really, we weren't ever planning on anything until after we got married. So as soon as we got married, um, we started trying. And um, after about six months, we realized something's not right it doesn't make any sense for for me who didn't have any issues at the time or unknown issues and we thought everything was fine with the vasectomy reversal so um we contacted our uh we went into a walk-in clinic and um asked for sperm analysis and what they found was that tom had azoospermia so meaning that the vasectomy reversal failed and that the only way that we would ever be able to have a child together would be through IVF wow that's tough well first of all I didn't know you could just walk into a walk-in clinic here in, in Canada and just get a sperm analysis so that's great oh so we yeah it was more like a referral to oh, okay a so we were actually referred to one fertility in Kitchener where he took, uh, he did the sperm sample there. They did the analysis and they were like, okay. you don't have any sperm. So we decided to go from there to contact Juno Fertility, which actually just opened the exact same month that we started going for fertility treatments. <laughs> okay. Well, that's convenient. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So how was how was that for, for you guys as a couple to receive that information and know that there's not much you can change in terms of his situation and that now you're going to need help that you didn't think you would? It was kind of interesting because I feel like I was very naive at the time. I obviously was upset because I knew that we needed fertility treatments 
and after we went to um so we went to Juno Fertility on December 26, 2018 was the first day that we had our first ever appointment there. And from there, Tom had another sperm analysis. I had a sonohistogram. I had a whole bunch of tests done. And the doctor sat us down and said, the only way that you will ever be able to have a baby is together is through IVF. And that was sometime in February. And um, I remember feeling really upset, but at the same time, I was very like gung-ho about seeking fertility treatments. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's going to be my answer. Like, this is going to be so easy. Like, it's not even going to be a big, be a big deal. Um, our re uh, reproductive endocrinologist was Dr. Bentov at the time. And he sat me down and went through like this, like flip book of like what was about to happen. And I was like, yeah, great. And he said, um, he's like, yeah, you know, you'll get an embryo, we'll put it into your uterus and you'll be pregnant in no time. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Wow. And um, Tom was obviously worried and upset. Um, and he said to me one time, would it be better for you to be with someone who would be able to give you a baby? And I said, it's never been about that, you know, yeah. where it's, it's, you know, him and I versus the world. Mm -hmm. And I am truly grateful for having such a wonderful and beautiful relationship with and very supportive husband. But I feel like I wish I would have known that an IVF treatment doesn't equal a baby. Yes. And it's, it's nice when your doctor is very positive, but sometimes deceiving a bit right yeah, like, you get, this is how it works and with my first my first RE as well she was super positive and the first time unfortunately I had to go by myself my husband wasn't there and she's like and now let's make you a baby and I left and I was like so positive that is literally like five and a half years ago <laughs> yeah so it's oh, yeah. yeah it is not like, like that it was like two years, uh, uh, almost two years ago. Yeah. And um, the letdown from, I feel like at the beginning, you're just so naive. You don't really understand what to expect because nobody talks about it. And um, people are so <laughs> readily to tell you to uh, relax and um, why are you going through this? Like, these are the comments that I usually get, or why are you going through this? Why put your body through this? Why don't you just adopt? And um, it's very painful. It's very, it's extremely painful. And I wish, I wish I would have known back then what I know now, but I probably would have done it anyways. Yes. You know? Yes, yes. But maybe, but maybe you would have been more protected. I don't know. Sometimes yeah. we just have to go through our, our story the way that we go through it. Um, so, so you had this conversation that sounds painful for your, your husband. And I think it's probably something that when it is male factor, um, a lot of the thoughts that go through the, the partners, our partners minds, right. Of, um, 
of feeling that guilt and if you have someone then someone else then that would be easier so you guys had a heart-to-heart conversation about that yeah I find that that conversation comes up uh quite often um just because I think that um Tom has a very difficult accepting well accepting of it because I think he just feels really bad I think um I think he truly believes that if I was with somebody, anyone else right now, that I would have the babies that I want. But the way that I view it is I make a conscious decision every day to be in a relationship with him and to, to have this life that I have. And I am very grateful and I'm very blessed to be in such a beautiful relationship with him that I wouldn't trade that just to be in like some other relationship with someone other, some other person yes. in order to have a child. And I find that like more and more just being in this world and community and, you know, with everything that's um, uprising now, like this year has been such a revolutionary year, right? For social justice and equality for, for women and other genders and all of that that's happening in, in 2020. That's been a long time coming, of course, but this year it seems like a lot of things erupted. And I find that us like we have there's a lot of pressure on um women to have children right so also in the minds of men um having the baby that we want so much could be to could take priority um over the relationship and in the end of the day as much as we do want that baby like we love our husband so much it, it doesn't take priority we would do anything that we could to t- have a babies with them but it's not like we're going to change husband just to have a baby right yeah, yeah. absolutely not yeah i have yeah. no interest in that whatsoever exactly <laughs> i'm not interested in in i i i think that sometimes the fuel to have a baby comes from how wonderful Uh, my relationship is with my husband because I know that the combination of me and him parenting is would be absolutely incredible we're we're such a a a unique unit and a and a really great teammates and I've even begun to understand that more going through fertility treatments because he's the one who wakes up in the morning to mix my medicine and to give me my he gave me all my injections he has mixed every one of my injection he has come to every one of my appointments when he can and he even had to go through his own operation when we did IVF because he had to get um, sperm aspirated from his testicles because they, it doesn't come out the usual way. So mm-hmm. it's like we've each had to make our own sacrifices for this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's something that we want to do with them. So, um, but I can understand the frustration and trying to get those thoughts out from him, right? And And just maybe he needed to give you the space and an opportunity to be like, if you are free to go, if you want to, but of course that, that didn't happen. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so exactly. I, I, I always like, I know that there are, it's uh, infertility is usually like a two way. It has to do with one of the partners. Right. And um, I don't know. 
I don't know what it feels like to be the person who has the issues, mm. but I know what it's like to be the person who's on the opposite side of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also pretty unique where I'm also the one that has to go through all the procedures and injections and ultrasounds and blood work when, you know, everything seems like it should be okay. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's hard for, for everyone, whatever the situation on the, in a couple for sure. Yeah. So what was the first, um, what was the first thing that you guys went through once, like after that appointment where the doctor said, okay, you have to do IVF. So we, uh, got signed up to go on the wait list because here in Ontario, you get one funded IVF. So we went on the, starting in February, we went on the wait list and we had our egg retrieval in August of uh, 2019. And from there we had nine eggs retrieved and five of them fertilized. And from there we got two blastocysts, two embryos, and we got them PJS tested and they were both completely normal. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yes. I. It was very interesting at the time because I remember right after my egg retrieval asking how many eggs that I was got retrieved. And when the doctor said nine, I was so disappointed. Mm. I was so disappointed in myself. I feel like every step of this journey, you are constantly comparing yourself to other people. Like, why didn't I get 16 eggs? Why didn't I get 32 eggs? Why did I only get nine? If maybe if I would have like held out, uh, my egg retrieval was very painful and very excruciating. I was pretty much awake the entire time. I don't know why the, the twilight anesthetic did not work. Um, I felt everything. Oh, and that's horrible. It was that is horrible. Really bad. I was bawling my eyes out, and they only got as many as they thought that they could because I was in so much pain. And I used to like every single point, it was just it's like every single stage you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. Um, but looking back now, I'm like, wow, like we actually got two embryos and I'm so thankful. Yeah. Um, we transferred our first embryo on November 8th of 2019. And we found out on November 17th that it didn't work. Okay. Um, and then we um, had to do an ERA, which is an endometrio, which checks the lining, checks uh, uh, your um, receptivity analysis of your uterus. Mm -hmm. And it came back completely normal and within range. Um, and then- Were we you were doing the medication? Were you doing that medication through it? Like a mock transfer kind of yeah. situation? So you take yeah. the estrogen, the progesterone, everything. And yep. then when you were supposed to technically- do the transfer, you actually do this test. Is it like a biopsy? I've never done an ERA. Okay, yeah, so it's a biopsy. So they take a snip of your uterine lining. Okay. Which it can be painful for some women, but I didn't find it that 
bad. Okay. <laughs> um, well, after, after everything that you've been through, maybe yeah. that was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it came, yeah, it, the, the result was that it came back uh, receptive, meaning during that amount of time, the amount of level of progesterone I was taking meant that my uterus was completely receptive. So okay. it should have, our embryo should have implanted. Um, it's just kind of difficult because during this time, uh, this is when things started getting like pretty hectic in my life. Because mm. uh, in November, after my first failed uh, embryo, I uh, was let go from my job that I had. And I was in scrambling trying to find another one. And um, I managed to get another position in January. And then my mother-in-law passed away. And oh, then sorry. my grandfather passed away. Wow. And then I had to do my endometrio. And then once we got the results from the endometrio, all was good to do a transfer in March. Hmm. So we're gearing up for our second embryo transfer. Everything is looking amazing. The lining looked great. We knew that we were that the uterus was receptive. And um, our transfer was scheduled for March 19th, 2019. Yeah. The day before, not less than 24 hours before our transfer, um, it was canceled due to COVID. Yeah, so 2020. 2020. Oh, yes. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. I think you're I think you're trying to I think you're trying yeah. to erase 2020. <laughs> I think so too. It's uh, not possible. No. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. So March 2020. And then COVID hits, all the clinics, everything goes into lockdown. Everything went into lockdown and I'm laid off from my job. So not only did we were not able to do our transfer, I was also laid off from my new job that I just had. Mm -hmm. So my mental health starts plummeting because I'm just wondering when can I do the next transfer? When are the clinics going to be opening? Um, what about money? What about you know me going into work? I'm a very social person, so mm. my I'm also a huge extrovert, so a lot of my refueling is from talking to people, interacting with people and getting out of the house. So it was a very difficult time for me. And um, I sometimes wonder that if that transfer went through, would that have actually worked? Mm -hmm. um, because everything looked so good, but it looked good previously and, and then it looked good again back in, in the next transfer in June. So I can never really. It's so hard to pinpoint. And I know we, we can drive ourselves crazy just thinking, what if, what if, what if, and how did you cope? Um, how did you cope emotionally with everything that was happening once uh, the lockdown happened and like all the struggles that you're, that you're mentioning um, I I was really sad. I had a really hard time. I was um really uh the the pandemic hit me pretty bad, and then losing my job, losing my mother-in-law, losing you know our first embryo plus my grandpa. It was just a lot all at once. 
Um, I just, the best thing that you can do is kind of just sit. I just sat in my feelings and really analyzed them and really, really, really thought about what was happening. And what I had control over was how I reacted to them and the things that I did every day and made sure that even though I wasn't working, I kept with a schedule that I maintained, you know, doing physical activity and eating as well as I can and just really focused on doing that stuff. I knew that eventually the clinics were gonna open up again. So I needed to like make sure I optimized my body. Um, yeah, it was, it's kind of interesting because I think what really got me through those couple of months was planning for the next transfer. Oh, that's, yeah. And that's what I, I felt too. Um, reading so many posts when the clinics locked down and so many folks were in your situation, I was already taking a bit of a break. So for me, it was like, yeah, you know, it's just the break is going to be longer than than I expected. And I was okay with that. But I felt so horrible for the posts, like including yours and just the just the sheer desperation, especially um, the ones that have low ovarian reserve that yeah. you know you just literally hear like the clock ticking in your uterus and you can like hear your little eggs dying every month and it's just awful and or if someone had a procedure like you did already booked and planned and then it's a no-go and the expectations and and that's the first thing that that I always thought when when I read posts and comments like that was you know take advantage of this time so I'm glad that that you did and you went into that mindset because it's so important even when things get canceled not during covid right sometimes we're going for something and it doesn't work or the doctor sees you know it's better if we wait another month or whatever it is you need more meds and then your your cycle becomes longer than you expected like there's just so many so many expectations that are shattered through this journey that we're on and and i find that like that's what you shared is what i try to think of too you know the more time I have the more I can optimize if I need to take a break then I use it to actually take a break yeah. and try to relax you know what kind of um like self-care things yeah. you do so I actually um I made sure to start doing yoga nice. <laughs> I also started doing a workout program through whole health Chelsea she did workouts from home. So I followed her along with that. I also uh, started taking, um, I downloaded this like piano app and I taught myself to play piano. Oh, wow. That I, is, that's important. That's way beyond anything I'm doing. I was like, I was baking. I got into making my own food. I, I just took as much time as possible, but I was also a very lucky that, um, it didn't, it didn't take that long. So, um, I started back again doing 
like preparing for treatments because I was canceled. They, whoever was canceled, like the day before was actually moved up to the front of the line, I guess. So we were able to resume treatments and start uh, our next cycle as early as May. So from cancellation to like being canceled on March 18th to starting at the end of May was, if you think about it, it was, it was like a month and a bit. So it wasn't, it wasn't the worst wait ever. No, but Um, when you're in it and you have no idea, right. How long it's going to take. It's, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, I had when you're so in much it. anxiety about it. I just didn't know if they'd ever like, you know, like you can, you think the worst. And I was just wondering, like, is are they ever going to open again? You know, how is this not essential? What happens if it never does? That means I will never be a mom. Like, you know, like all these like horrible thoughts start coming through your head. And yeah. um, uh, yeah. So anyways, so So, yeah, so you go back in May. So we went back in May and then we had transferred our second embryo at the, on June 8th, which was the day before our second uh, wedding anniversary. Mm. And I truly believed that this was going to be it for us. I was like, oh, it's a sign. It's right before anniversary. I find that a lot of my thinking in this has to do with like specific dates and I'm thinking (laughs) oh this is a sign and this is a sign and everything's gonna work out and unfortunately it didn't um we we kind the result from the first embryo transfer was uh we got an hcg of 1.98 and this one they didn't even give it to us so I don't think it even implanted at all um and then from there we didn't have any more embryos so we had to decide what our next step was going to be um so tom and i decided as a family to start seeking don't donor sperm and doing donor sperm iuis instead which in itself is a major loss because That means that Tom and I will never have a combination of the two of us, but at least we're still trying for a healthy, happy baby. And that's the goal in the end, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it's um, a lot of deep conversations and to get into that conclusion and, and, and moving on, it's, it's a grieving moment, I'm sure. Yeah, it took um, like it's taking, like, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still sad about it. I'm obviously, I'm still very sad about it, but, um, it comes and goes, like you start, you like wonder, you know, you think about it and you wonder about it. And, you know, a big thing that I had, like a, a hurdle I had to get over was I won't know what type of person, (laughs) (laughs) the the baby's going to be but you don't know anyways right and in my mind yeah in my mind I was like oh genetics genetics is so important you know because people love to say oh you do this just like your father or all this stuff and I I was really worried that we wouldn't have that but well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we don't want that we get through genetics as yeah. well. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, and sometimes it's all about nature versus nurture, right? Exactly. And I think the person that, that this baby is going to be is the person that you guys are going to raise. Exactly. Not necessarily the DNA that's like in it, their cells. So I think it's, I think it's a beautiful, hard, but beautiful move that you guys are, are taking. So where are you now? Like, are you researching? Are you going through um, an agency to get so, a donor sperm? So um, back in August of 2020, um, we went through um, a donor sperm bank called Canam Cryobank. And we purchased uh, our first two vials of donor sperm. And I had my first donor sperm IUI in September, which also failed. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, oh, man. And then, we, then I just needed a break. Mm. Yeah, because it was just, I feel like everything kind of came to a head at that point and I just when I found out that the IUI didn't work I kind of like looked up into the universe and I was like I just don't have anything else to give like this is not working and I don't understand why and <laughs> with the death of my uh, fur baby in October and then I was really like, I have nothing more to give. I was so mad. I was so angry at the universe. Um, I was um, very, I got very depressed. It's been very difficult. Um, but we're at the point now where um, we've actually decided to try again. Okay. And I have an appointment tomorrow with the fertility clinic and we're going to go for our second IUI which will happen at the beginning of December. Okay. Yeah. I find every new beginning like of a cycle is somewhat exciting. But yeah. I find yeah, I find myself I'm always like cautiously optimistic. I'm hopeful, but I'm also like in the back of my mind I have a little voice saying oh, this is probably not going to happen. And I feel like it's just trying to protect me. Do you feel that way sometimes? Yeah, I, I've, for the last like couple of, I feel like for the month of September, when I failed, found out that it failed to the whole month of October to now, um, my feelings actually have kind of shifted and changed a little bit where I was cautiously optimistic to having a little voice being like, it's not going to work to it's not going to work to I'm never, ever going to get pregnant to now it's kind of like, well, you're never going to get pregnant if you don't try. Mm. And that's a smart voice. Yeah. Just keep listening to that one. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, it could fail and it could work. So at least you just got to keep swimming, you know, you like, you got to keep trying. And I was so gung ho of like, I don't want to do anything until January. I just want to, I don't want to focus on anything. And, um, after a couple of pregnancy announcements and after like a couple of, you know, births, I was just like, I'm not going to get anywhere if I'm not trying. Yes. 
So the, the, I wanted you to, to share a bit, if that's okay, on how the, how does it work, the agency, the donor sperm agency and that process? Sure. Yeah. So it's actually really interesting. So uh, we're going through Canem Cryobank and then we're also going to, we've also gone through another sperm bank, which is located in the States called Zytex. So basically you go on a website and um, either you can choose what the donor looks like, or you can kind of like just get whatever you want. But because we're kind of picky, we wanted someone Mm -hmm. who looked a lot like Tom or at least was the same nationality as him. Uh, So Tom is 100% Irish, so it makes it pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) And he has blue eyes and he's fair skin, uh, medium build. So it's actually pretty cool. You can go online and you can click blue eyes. Irish, medium build, I think that's an option, Um, Caucasian, and it gives you a whole bunch of options. Um, Sometimes, depending on the sperm bank, it may not have a lot of sperm in stock, especially now because of COVID, makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, Sperm isn't as easily available as it used to be. Um, I found that out. That's such a weird sentence right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, the stuff we we say in this journey. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So each, um, so you don't get to see what they look like, but you get to see a picture of them as a baby. And then you get to hear their voice, read bios about them, learn their family uh, genetic history, full genetic screening. So we have three different donors. So we have um, two vials from the first donor. um, And then we have two more vials, one vial each from two others. So we have three in total left. And um, it's, it's cool because Zytex, which is the sperm bank in the States, actually gives like a sperm motility rating you can buy like a 20, a 25, and a 30, I think. And oh, 30 is the highest rate of motility. Yeah, it's really interesting. But Canem Cryobank doesn't do that. So um, I decided for our second IUI to actually go with the sperm donor that had the 30 motility from the States. So I called them up. I gave them the numbers that I wanted. Uh, check to see if any vials were available. Uh, Fortunately for that one, they were. So we bought some vials, which Mm -hmm. is not inexpensive. Oh, I'm (laughs) Uh, sure. Nothing in this is. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite expensive. Um, And then they keep it in a storage unit. And um, on the day, uh, a couple weeks before my IUI, I call them, say that I need it shipped over. They ship it over and then my fertility clinic keeps it in storage until I come for my appointment. And then I have to, for example, for my first IUI, I had to arrive at 7.30 in the morning to sign paperwork. Tom needed to sign paperwork saying that he agreed to me getting donor sperm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then they thought it, and then I had my then I had my procedure. I think around eleven thirty. 
Wow. So does each vial, is that equivalent to one IUI procedure? That's correct. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I looked briefly into um, donor eggs because if our IVF rounds didn't come along as our doctor expected, that was going to be the next step. And because I'm a very like planning oriented person, like in my mind, I need to know what's coming next, even if it's never going to happen. Yeah. I need to know, at least I have a backup after the many backups that we already like exhausted. But the, I did go on a website that, that a friend of mine recommended and you can see the actual picture of the, of the women that are donating eggs. Yeah. So I was surprised that it was a bit different with the, yeah. with the men's, I don't know, maybe it varies by clinic or maybe that's just a rule for, for sperm donor agencies. Um, I, for Zytex, we saw a picture of what he looked like or, oh, okay. or looked like for Canem cryobank. We only saw childhood child pictures. Okay. So maybe it, it varies depending on the, on the clinic. How was the legal process in terms of differences, excuse me, between um, Canada and the U.S.? There wasn't, there wasn't, it was basically buy it, we store it, and then ship it when you want it, and smooth, smooth sailing then. For all of our donors, we also um, chose specifically ones that would never want to be involved. Oh, that's interesting. We just think that makes more sense. Um, I honestly don't even really know if it's an option for donors to oh I I think they say yes if the child turns 18 and wants to contact them but Tom and I have decided we have no interest in that but we're also going to um so previously before you even start any donor sperm anything um they it's a mandatory requirement that you speak to a therapist so we spoke to the, we did like couples therapy. We spoke to a therapist and she gave us some really great ideas of how we would explain to our baby that our baby came from donor sperm. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure there there might be like books and blogs and stuff as well that you can, that resources that you can use. Um, that's super interesting. Yeah. When I was looking into it, it was, um, each file of the donor, um, said they either didn't want to be contacted at all. Um, they were open for it and some that were adamant that they wanted to know Hmm. what was happening and sort of follow the, the life of the baby. I'm not sure. I also, I always thought that was a little bit, um, weird as well. Like, like you were saying, but, but then on the other hand, I'm like, of course I'm not on this, um, on this journey. Um, I don't know what's going to happen for us, but I kept thinking it would be sort of cool in the future to like, after the person, the, the, the child understands the whole idea, um, behind it. And like more, like you said, you know, over 18 and all that. And then they do have another, almost like another family that could, they can, they could relate to, but that's just in my mind going through it. I'm sure it's like very intense and, and everyone has, yeah, their own approach. So that's, that's really nice. You guys knew what you wanted. And, um, so now you have the, the two options and you're really close to, 
to trying again, right? Yeah. So we have three, we actually have three more vials. Oh, two, three. Sorry. Yeah, three yeah. more vials left. And people are probably thinking, oh, that's a little extra. But you know what? I just wanted mm -hmm. to be prepared. Like there are specific qualities and characteristics that are very important to Tom and I, especially yeah. like being Irish and um, all this stuff. Like there, there are very specific uh, categories that we were very interested in keeping. So, and unfortunately a lot of the Caucasian Irish sperm was not available. So we thought let's just buy it when we can. The good yes. thing is that they actually buy their sperm bank uh, back if you don't need it. <laughs> Oh, that's good. So it's yeah. a it's a guarantee. Yeah, thing, kind, kind of. of yeah, you you use it, and if you don't, you get your money back. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, that's good. Yeah. So at least I have that option. But I just I don't know. I just feel like, or at least today, it's kind of like up and down, right? Today I'm yeah. feeling more. You just gotta like. I just gotta keep trying. You know. Yes, absolutely. Was there was there a difference? Uh, my last question about this, just because I'm curious, and also I'm sure, like if some if some listeners are going down that road that that you guys are, um, they might be interested as well. The financially, was it different? Uh, the the sperm donor agency in Canada versus the U.S. U.S. is a lot more expensive. Okay, even besides just being American dollars. Yep. Yeah, straight out more expensive. Okay, yes, <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting that you shared, uh, thank you for sharing the detail about the motility and having maybe a bit more information is- Yeah, I'm yeah. hoping that knowing that there's the, the motility ratings higher, um, hopefully that's a bonus for us. I'm hoping that there's more sperm. Um, I was very happy with the first IUI because we had 12.64 million sperm. So I was like, oh, awesome. I'm like, this is, you know, it's gotta work, right? Yes. But you just don't, you just don't know. And on top of everything, um, I keep at like I asked my RE, like, how come our transfers didn't work? How come my IUI didn't work? And they just don't have any answers. No, unfortunately. Like, sometimes it just doesn't work and it's so hard and it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of people don't understand unless they're going through it. And um, you can't understand. You don't know, they don't know what it's like to inject medication into your body and take pills that make you feel sick and, you know, have all that hope just to be crushed. Like it's very, very difficult yes. going through it. I feel like it's such a, a roller coaster and literally like that feeling, you know, the roller coaster when it's going up and it's so intense and it's that like tick, 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 tick going up. And the, of course, the higher, the, the, the bigger the roller coaster, the longer it takes going up. That's how I feel with the cycle, right? You're doing the meds every day. It's so intense. It's so intense. And then it just, you just drop and then you just get a no, like there's there's no there's nothing else like you're grasping into like thin air there's nothing to hold on to after that whole like tick 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 going up just to like go down in like two seconds and and then you're back where you were before in the beginning of the roller coaster and then you get out of the car you're like what the f are we gonna do 
And then you have to decide to go back in line, literally, and then get onto that roller coaster again. That's that's exactly how it feels. That's metaphor of explaining exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And then and then it's like you're in line um talking to people beside you that have never been on a roller coaster ever. They don't even know what a roller coaster is. <laughs> that's how it yeah. feels. Yeah. yeah. And then and then they're like, why are you going through this? Like you said in the beginning. Why don't you just adopt? Why don't you this? Why don't you that? And just relax, go on vacation. And it's so painful. Yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah. We say roller coaster that it is a roller coaster ride all the time, but it's it, yeah, it's quite true. I think that analogy is is one of the best. I wanted to I wanted to step back a bit and and talk to you a bit about being a stepmom because I know sure. that you always talk about your your step children that are not really the children yeah <laughs> they're older now but yeah. um how is that relationship because like you said you know you and your husband um you do look like your best friends and you say that all the time on your on your posts and it's so beautiful to see you guys together it does look like a very special relationship and how is that to to have that relationship with with a family that you stepped into yeah, um, I'm so grateful that um, my stepkids are amazing humans. <laughs> they are um, the both like so. I have a stepson and a stepdaughter, and um, they're both very different people, um, and but they're both very lovely people. And um, my stepson's a little bit more understanding of our fertility journey and. Um, he's been more aware of everything and he's older. Um, I have been able to be somewhat open about what's going on, but unfortunately, um, my stepdaughter doesn't want to know anything about it. She's not interested. She's upset <laughs> that why would, you know, why would dad want another child, you know, or, you know, why isn't two enough and, which is under completely understanding. So that's why I keep a lot of my fertility stuff very uh, private in, in a way. Like, yes, I have my own uh, infertility Instagram account, but anything to do with, like, I never talk about it on my personal Instagram. I never um, mention it on my Facebook. If I do mention it, it is private and between the people who know, um, just to you know, have respect for her and her feelings. And um, that's always just been very important to me. So we just, we don't really talk about it with her. Um, How old are they? Uh, Avery's going to be, so that's the girl. Um, she's going to be 20 on December 5th and Taylor's 22. Okay, Avery. That's so funny. Just the other day, I told uh, Leo, my husband, uh, someone showed, I think it was a, a news reporter or something that was called Avery. And I'm like, oh, Avery's such a pretty name. And he's like, for a baby? I'm like, yeah, for a baby. <laughs> so that's yeah. so funny that you mentioned. I don't know anyone that's named, uh, that's named Avery. Good. Well, thank you so much for, for, for sharing all of that. I have a question about how you changed as a person and how you changed as a couple. 
throughout this journey. So it's been two years, right? Yeah. During this time. Two years, December 26, 2020, I think. But we've been trying since June 9th. Yeah. I love that you I love that you know all the specific dates so know, that is just so been, impressive if you asked me what I ate yesterday for dinner I would not be able to tell you <laughs> I love that yes so how do you how do you feel that this journey has changed you as a person um I feel like I'm I I feel like I have realized how strong and how resilient and how stubborn I am um I've always been the one who I work really hard to get what I want I always have been like that and I have always succeeded in getting things that I want because I work so hard at it and when you work so hard at making a baby and it doesn't work it is soul crushing it is absolutely soul crushing. And it's got me to a point where I don't have the capacity or the time to deal with anything that's fake mm. because the amount of energy and how difficult infertility is it's really takes a lot out of you so the people that I need surrounded by me are people who can completely support me the way that I need them to support me and I just don't have room for anything that's fake or frosted or (laughs) not um not real Yeah, I know what you mean. And that's it. That's great advice for people that are just starting this. this Yeah. Yeah. I think you, anyone who is just starting, you will realize that you can physically, emotionally, and mentally deal with a lot more than you ever imagined possible. And you don't need to give anyone energy that doesn't deserve it. You don't need to have people in your mind that are like not like you don't need to deal with anything that's not paying rent you know what I mean in your mind like there's no point there's no point and my my relationship with Tom I feel has I have a lot of respect for him I have I've always have but I feel like I've become so much closer to him because I respect him and uh, love him so much for being so supportive and unconditional because I can't imagine how difficult Mm -hmm. it is dealing with someone who like dealing with so much disappointment and grief and depression because not on like on not only the with the infertility but with all the other losses that I've dealt with this year I am super grateful that he's been so amazing the entire time that's nice uh, yeah yeah it's we do we do change a lot and as a couple I find it either makes you or breaks you a lot of the times yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the so the the hard tricky question that I have is um knowing how much that you've changed and grown and how strong you are as a couple as well, not just individuals through this journey. If you had the chance to erase all of that and have gotten pregnant the very first month, would mm. you do that? No, I don't think so. I know that sounds weird. It's like, well, isn't that the end goal? But I think sometimes we are put on certain journeys to navigate them for a reason. And I, <laughs> Tom and I have always this like funny thing where we really truly believe that we definitely will get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And we make this joke that, we call we call our baby sweet babu so we always say that sweet babu is kind of laughing at us <laughs> because we have made from where we were when we first started to where we are now we have made so many advancements both in our relationship with our house with our careers with you know you know changing of friends changing of you know, who we keep around us. And um, we always say Sweet Babu's laughing at us because Sweet Babu is so demanding. You know, <laughs> Sweet Babu demanded that, you know, we set up his or her nursery or their nursery ahead of time. Like Sweet Babu is so demanding because, <laughs> you know, we like, even when my, my cat of 14 years passed away, you know, we made a joke saying, even Moggy had to go up and be like, it's time for you to come to earth side. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. like, yes. Well, I'm, I'm laughing and I have tears in my eyes. So I, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. It's beautiful. I think we do have to find the light, the light things, you know, and, and the little jokes and the things that bring us together and, and make each day special until, until sweet Babu is here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately too, like when, with the arrival of sweet Babu, eventually one day, um, it will completely flip everything on its head, right? Like it's a complete mm -hmm. change. And like, I'm, I'm very grateful for having this ability to bond with Tom in a whole new way that I never thought that never planned, never thought, never wanted, mm -hmm. but at least I know that, you know, we can survive extreme grief. We can survive extreme loss. And that is something that I don't wish on any couple, but it's really, really amazing to know that I have that with Tom. Yes, yes, I, I agree 100%, 100%. Um, to finish off, um, would you like to share anyone, a person, a book, a quote, anything that has given you strength through this journey that could possibly help the listeners too? Yeah, um, so after the death of um, my cat in October, uh, she got cancer and I had to assist her to the Rainbow Bridge. Um, I started talking to a grief counselor. Her name is Ashley Hall. Uh, I think it's good grief. Yeah. So her Instagram is you, And it has been 
absolutely amazing. I have been through therapy because of this. I have been through, you know, I've read books. I've been, but the things like, it's just, it's like, she has like sat me down and been like, you need to like, not, you need to like, stop being so angry at your body. You need to, you know, grieve. You have the right to grieve whatever you thought motherhood was going to be. Um, you, it's just so amazing having someone so compassionate, listening, like actually listening to how hurt, how hurt I was. And I recommend her to absolutely anyone who's going through this because it is grief. It is grief. Infertility is grief. Absolutely. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. What a great tip. Great tip. And then we'll put that on the notes. We'll put her handle and we'll add that to the notes of the episode. And um, we'll finish off with you telling us how we can find you online. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have an Instagram about my infertility um, journey. It's called uh, Journey to Baby Riley. And um, that's exactly what it is. It's um, honest. It's raw. Um, I tell, I talk about the good times, the bad times and the boring times. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, uh, you can definitely find me, find me there. And uh, always, um, if anyone ever has any questions, I always appreciate when people reach out and ask me questions, especially as they're starting their IVF journeys or IUI journeys. Um, I truly believe that, um, there should be more information and people should be more accurately prepared for this crazy journey that they're about to embark on because it is hard and it sucks and it is not easy, but everyone's, it's something that you are capable of doing. That's great. Oh, what a wonderful note to finish. Lexi, thank you so, so much for being here. Uh, It was a pleasure to know more about your story and I wish you nothing but the best to finish off this year for you and and Tom. Yes, I'll be praying for baby Babu. (laughs) Enough already. It's time to come. It's It's time time to come home. It's time time to come home. Yes. I know. they're just busy playing with you know Tom's mom and my grandpa and my cat it's time to come earth side yes it's hard down here too but yeah it's it's time it's time that's great we'll be in touch and um yeah we'll talk soon thank Thank you so much I hope you guys enjoy that conversation. It's just so enlightening to hear the different stories and how it's so unique, even though we're all struggling of essentially the same, let's say, condition, if you will, um, of infertility. It's like we're on the same road, but the, the bumps and the rocks that we hit and the troubles that we have to carry are different. So I am just incredibly honored to be sitting with these amazing folks and giving them also a platform to to share their story. For 
were about to start IUI number two, but now it's April 2021 and they're waiting on results of IUI number six. So it's been a long few months for them. And if you can go and follow them, the, all the info is on the notes of the episode. And go give them some support and love because they really need it right now. And don't forget, if you're not already, please subscribe and follow the podcast. Leave us a message and a five-star review on Apple Podcast if you can, because it really, really helps support the show. And I will see you guys next Tuesday with another amazing episode. Take care of yourselves, stay safe, and see you soon. This podcast wouldn't be up and running if it wasn't for the help of a few very special people. You can find my special thanks to them all at myfertilityjourney.ca. And if you want to keep in touch, find me on Instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, leave a review to support the show and share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. Love you all and I'll see you soon.